Hi, everyone, and welcome to this What You Talking About Willis podcast. My name is Henry Willis, and I'm the Head of Humanities and Politics here at Halebury College in Melbourne, Victoria. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things international relations, making connections between current world events and the VCE Global Politics curriculum. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hi everyone, it's Wednesday the 5th of May here and thanks for joining us for another episode of What You Talk About Willis and this is a special episode because it's the last episode for Unit 3 Area of Study 2, thank goodness. We've gone through all the different elements of China's national interest and we've been rattling off these examples of power and foreign policy and we only have one left to do so it's a bit of a relief to get through all that content and the last example that we have to address of course is the use of aid as a foreign policy policy instrument. So as a definition, aid refers to the provision of any kind of assistance, which is predominantly monetary, but it doesn't have to be monetary, uh, to global actors with the intention of influencing their decisions and actions. And so with China, um, China uses aid in a whole uh, range of ways uh, to sort of uh, establish favour with states, particularly in the Asia-Pacific region, um, that can be used to achieve a whole range of different goals. Um, China's preferred method of aid is through the use of what we might call soft or concessional loans. So soft loans are as they, the, the name would suggest, they're loans. So there's an expectation that money is paid back to China as a result of these loans. However, they are often done in fairly favorable ways um, at very, very low interest um, without having to jump through a whole range of hoops that you often need to do in order to access money from other sources. And so one of the criticisms, say, of the World Bank, which is an IMF-like mechanism, is that if you want to access funds to develop your infrastructure, for example, you have to sort of tick certain boxes in terms of things like human rights and your political values like democracy. Whereas China's loans uh, uh, have fewer strings attached in that particular regard. They're more willing to lend to anyone, um, whether you be a democracy or otherwise. Um, and through that lending, you can sort of establish all sorts of different kinds of influence. And so the examples that we're going to focus on to do with aid are primarily centered around the Pacific. And in particularly, uh, one unique case that we're going to look at is China's relationship with PNG. In 2018, China caused quite the stir when Xi Jinping pledged $300 million in concessional loans to PNG. Now, historically, Australia has been the largest and remains the largest provider of aid in the Pacific region because Australia really is the dominant power in the region and uses an aid to ensure a whole range of its national interest objectives. But certainly in recent years, China has started to encroach more and more on that particular role to the point now where China are the third biggest lender um, of aid in the Asia, in the Pacific region behind Australia and New Zealand who occupy number one and number two. And so there are a couple of key things that China aims to do with this aid or with these concessional loans. Uh, the primary and the most sort of simple way that China uses this kind of aid is to try and influence a state's position on a particular issue. And often for China, those issues center around things like Taiwan and Hong Kong. Now, a country like PNG 
is a developing economy. Um, they're not really that concerned with international relations and primarily they're looking to access as much money as they possibly can to try and develop themselves. And so really it makes little difference to the PNG whether they support China's policies or not. And so really it's an easy decision for the government of PNG to say, go right, in exchange for your $300 million loan, we are willing to accept the fact that China is one China and has exclusive rights over, say, Taiwan and Hong Kong. And that's one of the major ways in which China wields aid like a weapon. Um, it's often sort of coined as sort of aid for, you know, something, aid for resources, um, aid for support of China's national security agenda. and. PNG is in fact one of 53 countries that has backed um, the new Hong Kong national security laws um, in the United Nations. That's a really interesting example because by giving that money, PNG has turned around at the UN and said, nope, we don't oppose China's fairly aggressive national security laws. In fact, we support them, which really shows how aid can be influential in encouraging people to accept your particular position or your sovereignty over a territory. Um, the PNG Foreign Ministry has also publicly stated that it has no intention of recognizing Taiwan. So again, by providing this aid, China is essentially promoting their national security because what they are doing is solidifying support for the One China policy and ensuring that international recognition does not come for Hong Kong or Taiwan to allow those communities to get the recognition that they need to achieve sovereignty. And so it's a very effective tool at achieving national security. Aid can also be used to achieve China's economic prosperity by influencing states to um, allow China to embrace certain um, economic agendas or access to resources. So we mentioned the term aid for resources or aid for oil was a common term used in relation to Africa, where China would give generous amounts of aid and then there would be an expectation that a state then hand over access to certain natural resources. And that has also been the case with PNG, where we've seen a concerning development early this year where the PNG government signed a memorandum of understanding to build a $200 million fishery industrial park on Daru Island, which is actually only 200 kilometers um, from Australian territory. And so many have suggested that the Chinese government has orchestrated this um, through its aid, through sort of coming closer with the PNG government, which gives us interesting economic opportunities in terms of access to fisheries, but also becomes really quite concerning in terms of Australian national security and China's ability to project its influence into our own backyard. And so all of these things really have been developed out of the fact that China has been lending money to um, PNG. It also drastically improves their regional relations where the PNG Defence Force is now receiving training from China and its military instead of perhaps its traditional Australian allies um, and Chinese companies have access all, to all sorts of redevelopment opportunities um, to develop airports and, um, and naval ports throughout PNG. So all of these things are achievable through China increasing its relationship with PNG primarily through aid. If we are doing an evaluation, however, we can look at circumstances where this perhaps has not worked. Um, in the example of PNG, it's important to recognise that China, uh, um, Australia remains PNG's largest provider of international aid, and they have been using that aid to try and push back against China. So um, since 2019, um, 
PNG has also accepted $440 million from Australia, which sort of serves to counteract China's influence in that particular example. Um, and during the pandemic, PNG has probably moved closer to Australia and towards other sources like the IMF and the World Bank for support instead. Um, and there's also an interesting example in 2019 where the small um, island nation of Tuvalu actually rejected China's offers of aid to build islands to help them overcome rising sea levels. Um, and they actually remain one of 15 states in the world who formally recognize Taiwan's independence. So interestingly, there are some of these small Pacific island nations that are pushing back against China's sort of offers of aid to actually you know, reject it and promote Taiwanese independence. Australia also beat Huawei, which is the Chinese-owned tech company, um, to the contracts to lay undersea high-speed internet cables from Australia to PNG. Um, so again, that's another example of Australia exerting its influence to get what it wants as opposed to um, China getting what it wants. And um, PNG cabinet decided in April 2020 also not to renew their gold mining lease held jointly by a Chinese firm. So again, these are all signs that perhaps certain conditions with China have deteriorated to the point where Chinese aid has not fully effectively secured their interests in the region. And so again, like all of our examples of power and foreign policy, um, there are strengths and weaknesses. Aid plays a key role in establishing China's core national security and economic objectives in the region. However, they are in constant rivalry with a country like Australia, who's pushing back with its own forms of aid, which in many cases have influenced PNG away from um, being exclusively sort of cajoled and influenced by the Chinese government. Although I must say the um, memorandum of understanding to build that fishery industrial park is uh, a deeply concerning trend and something which the Australian government um, is very cautious about. It's only a memorandum of understanding, so it's not, it's a long way from completion, but still it is certainly something to sort of um, demonstrate concern for the Australian government. Okay, so that's a, a little overview of how you can talk about aid as a foreign policy instrument with a particular focus on regional relationships um, and economic prosperity and national security. So um, that is it for content for Unit 3 Area Study 2. What a slog. Um, it's not necessarily that hard content to get through, um, but there are certainly a lot of examples of power that you need to address in this particular area of study. So my advice is to try and streamline your notes as much as possible. Um, overlap cases where you can, um, and certainly make life as easy for yourself as uh, convenient. All right. Thanks for tuning in to our complete overview of China's national interests and their powers. Hope you found this uh, content useful. And to celebrate the end of Unit 3 Area Study 2, um, I'm going to now throw to Mr. Willis's song of the week. Um, have a listen, relax, enjoy, and good luck for the upcoming SAC. Chat to you soon.